0: When you're a single parent, there can be a lot going on from managing money to growing your career or business while parenting, dating, and finding time for yourself. How can you create a great life and actually have fun doing it? That's the question we're here to answer. Welcome to Single and Mighty, the podcast where we believe single parents deserve to lead mighty lives. I'm Carmel Ecker, a single parent who gets my adventure fix as a mountain biking coach. I'm also the founder of Your One Amazing Life.
1: And I'm Lindsay Carlson, a solo parent who left an abusive relationship to start a new life. I now enjoy running my own company, Mighty Inc. Marketing. We've both been single parents for more than a decade, which means we've made our share of mistakes and learned a few things along the way. What stands out for us is the value of community inspiration, and support to create a life you love no matter what the world throws at you. And that's what this podcast is all about. So listen in, get inspired, and leave a review so other single parents can find it too. And sign up at singleandmighty.com for bonus resources and special news.
0: Today we have with us Samantha Isales. I met Samantha actually through LinkedIn a couple of years ago. I think it's been a couple of years now. And I was just totally blown away by her single parent story and all of the amazing things that she's doing in the world. So I was super excited when she said yes to joining us on the podcast. So welcome, Samantha. <laughs>
2: Thank you. Yeah, I think you're an amazing single parent. So I'm like, you invited me to be here. I'm like, yes, this is really an honor. (laughs) And also meeting Lindsay. Yeah, so like you said, I actually became a single mom when I was in high school. And it's been a journey. That was nine years ago. So Uh it's been a journey. I went through high school with my son like he came to my school's like daycare program and awesome yeah i would bring him to like art extend the day i did all these like these things to graduate early not early Mm -hmm. but on time actually because i did i was homeschooled i did homeschooling when i was in um, in high school like when i got pregnant because i was high risk i had um i had a heart surgery when i was a kid so Yeah. Got it. Mm -hmm. Pregnancy. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. So when I came back to school in New York, you need, I think, 44 credits. I think that's the number to graduate from high school. And in homeschooling, I could only get like three or four, no, maybe like 10 credits a year or like Mm -hmm. maybe fewer. So when I went back to school, I was I was kind of behind Um, and it was very difficult because I had to like work to support my family, support my son support myself and um it got really difficult in school because there wasn't a lot of support from my teachers my advisors in school they were like encouraging me to have an abortion and when i didn't they were like they would like throw shade or like say things in class that were like oh so i very supportive yeah not very supportive at all so Mm -hmm. i left school i like work more hours because I needed more you know more money also and yeah so I eventually ended up like I dropped out maybe in like it was near the end of the school year honestly it could have been like April and school Mm -hmm. year ends in June and then I decided to um, sign up for an alternative high school like I didn't want to like completely drop out And so, like, I did, I went through a process. I got encouragement also from, like, people that I knew. They were like, don't drop out. Like, you're almost there. No, we all need those cheerleaders. Yeah. Yeah. That was really encouraging, honestly. Mm. And so, I went to an alternative high school, and I graduated within the same year. Like, I just, like, did all these things, like, anything that I could to get more credits and to take more classes. Yeah, I'm like I really need to graduate. Like I have a child and also like I wanna graduate on time. Like I wanted to graduate with my class. Awesome. Yeah, so he came to the after school program. Then I eventually went to college and yeah, I had a lot of support from my family and friends.
0: I think you said you were the first person in your family Mm -hmm. to graduate from college program. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I am the first in my family and I'm the first. Yeah. Especially like out of my siblings too. I'm like vouching for them (laughs) to, you know, I'm here waiting (laughs) at the finish line. Um, But I, I was, and I still am currently. um, So it was a big responsibility because I like, When I needed help, like, filling out, like, forms for school or, like, just help in when my classes or anything like that, I didn't have family or, like, people in my household that I can turn to. Mm -hmm. And I also grew up in a pretty chaotic household. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, it was very difficult.
1: (laughs) So you pulled yourself up with your own strength. And thank goodness for some of those cheerleaders out there. but congratulations. That is a huge, huge story.
2: Thank you. Thank you. I mean, I feel that for me, if I did not have all of the support that I had, or like I didn't like cherish it the way that I tried to, I'm not sure that I could have like, I think that I would have, you know, still found a way to do it. But I think that it was like the smoothness that I had to it. It was definitely because of the people in my life, although it was hard. Like I remember when I was in, I think it may have been my junior year. My major was kinesiology and I wanted to go to PT school. So, and I didn't go into my finals. Like I went through the semester and then I was so anxious and like stressed from like home stuff. Like we were at risk of eviction at the time. And so I didn't go into my class. So I failed my finals. It was pretty hard. And then like, you know, just like, even when you have support, it's like having the will within yourself also to push through basically what you're saying, Lindsay, too. Like, Mm -hmm. it's very important.
1: So let me get this straight. You You had people in your school who were literally making it harder for you. They were the adults in your school when you were in high school. You had a baby. You were determined to finish school. And they literally made it more shameful and more difficult for you is that that's that's surprising and
2: sad. Yeah, they definitely made me feel ashamed. Like it was so heartbreaking when my advisor told me that. I feel like I still cry about it because I tried yeah. not to. And actually it was so hard. It was such a bad experience. Like in my high school, my my school had a clinic inside of it and the clinician at the time literally told my mom that i was pregnant without like my consent and then also when because you know when you go to the school clinic they'll orient you you know information on like whatever it is like scd testing or like birth control etc and so like when they when she knew that i was pregnant she obviously had to talk to me about abortions and Mm -hmm. i grew up religious but not like super religious like my mom she never, like, forced me to go to church as as I got older, but it was still kind of, like, you know, r- rules, like, norms of the household, right? And so yeah. when I talked to the clinician about considering an abortion, just, she called my, she told my mom. And it was such a big thing at home. Like, I didn't, it was such a violation of my boundaries, just, like, over yeah. and over again.
1: It's a violation of your trust. In yeah. my trust,
2: for sure. Yeah, I'm like, you didn't even ask me if I wanted to have this conversation right now. And you just went on and told my mom and like. So what do you think if you yeah.
1: could go back and talk to those adults that made your life harder in a time when you were willing to show up and do what it took to get through and they just didn't show up for you? Like, what do you think you could tell those people for for future, future kids that get pregnant?
2: Yeah, I would tell them that people have agency. Like, even if, you know just because well you can be young and still it's not that you can be young it's like you're young and also you're like a human being that can think through a decision like rationally like i'm pregnant i need to make this decision and not get in the way of like i think that giving advising someone is very different than like taking the thing and doing it for them mm-hmm. and that's mm-hmm. something actually that i still see even like now um Today, because I do community organizing and I've had jobs where I did like advocacy work and I've met advocates who think of people who have like a similar background to me or just in general, really any like marginalized group that you're in. Like if you're a single mom, kind of like, oh, they don't have agency or I have to do this thing for them or and it's like, no, like I can.
0: (laughs) They see they see that those groups as a charity case or something, you know, like that.
2: Yeah, like fixable. Yeah. Like,
0: yeah, we have to fix you.
2: <laughs> yeah. It doesn't help. Maybe, does I, it? D-
0: maybe I don't want to be fixed.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> Let me throw that out there. Yeah. And that
2: actually might not be the fixing that I need. <laughs> like,
0: right. What if I
2: just needed five days to think? <laughs> Yes.
0: Yeah. And, and that's the thing that I think people often forget. They, they layer their own experience and their own beliefs onto the decision that somebody else needs to make. Absolutely. And, and then they give them advice that isn't necessarily the best for that person's life. Uh Right. And a better approach might be to ask questions. Mm -hmm. What do they really want? What are their goals? You know, all of those things to actually help them make the decision. Mm -hmm. support them having agency as opposed to telling them what to do because you know, you're older and wiser and surely that must mean that, you know, what's best for them. Mm -hmm. I think that's a key reason why it's so important to have the conversation about single parenting
1: as well. And single moms Mm -hmm. in particular, because if they look Mm -hmm. at your future and they only see negative stereotypes in the media or like every movie has a sad single mom in it these days, like If that's all they see, it's like, no. (laughs) So showing some power for single parents and how it's possible and how it's not like a life sentence, I think Mm -hmm. it's really important even to reach people like that. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah,
0: yeah. And I'm sure that your experience has informed some of this community organizing that you've done, yes?
2: Yeah, for sure. Like, I'm thinking about today, like, or even What you were just saying, Lindsay, brought me back to um, a conversation that I had with Carmel recently too, and it's about the value of care in our society. So I have friends who are moms and, and just like people that I know that are not necessarily friends. It's just such a pattern for women who are trying to get a job to be afraid to share with their parents or to to be afraid because of the value that care holds in our society really because it's like well you're doing this caring responsibility and so you're like not worthy or not as useful it's like a very like machinery way of thinking about people yeah
0: it's got this idea that somehow you being a caregiver in a one part of your life is going to take away from your ability to do work Mm -hmm. in that that work part of your life right
2: Mm -hmm.
1: so in your community can you tell us a bit more about the the work that you do and the work that you're passionate about
2: Mm. Yeah, yeah. So I am passionate about housing, housing stability, access to housing, affordable housing, really free housing too. <laughs> yeah. And care work. So the organizing that I'm a part of, it's there's a campaign campaign called Ain't I a Woman, here in the city, but we're like spreading the word across border lines. Mm. And it's a campaign to end the 24-hour workday for home attendants in the city. Mm. They work, I say in the city because it's very concentrated in New York City and not like the entire state. But home care workers, they work 24-hour shifts and wow. they get paid for 13 hours out of the 24. And- Which is absolute crap. Yes. I just, wow! I just need to jump in and say that. How <laughs> is that ab- possible? Crap, Exactly. And then the amount that they get paid Anyway, to start with, it's like not enough. But then also, like, their time is so heavily controlled, you know? Because if they leave a patient while they're like working, they can't really, they can't leave. So they're working the 24 hours, Mm -hmm. totally Mm -hmm. working the 24 hours. And I think about my conditions, like, as a mom and then as a worker, I'm like, oh my God, like, I really, this is like my life. Like, it's, I'm not working 24 hours for like an employer but i kind of am working around the clock i leave my job and i go home to take care of my son and i'm at work also taking care of my son or i'm at home and also thinking about my job because you know i have people that i have to like provide services to and so it's like when do we turn it off
1: <laughs> so if you could imagine that a, an ideal way that that you see for for our future how would you h- how would you set that up what what would you propose
2: <laughs> this is going to be a very political take and i will say like not working for wages in the way that we do now because it's, there's a lot of exploitation like we're just like mm-hmm. working and producing all this like labor and getting sense, right? Compared to like what our bosses are making. Um, But I'll also say if I have to think about it five years from now, um, I'll say like working less hours a week and getting paid fair wages, like more like assistance for families. Like, you know, we need to have children to have more workers, right? If that's like what our society depends on. Then there should Pretty be much, support, yeah. like there should be <laughs> free, like you know, free support for right, people right. having children,
1: right? Definitely, and, if that's your yeah. labor force. Then let's develop it and let's put some effort into it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's like across the. Like we're in, we're all in North America. We're in different parts of North America. Carmel and I are in British Columbia, Canada, and you're down in New York, but there's some Mm -hmm. universal themes here. I mean, we feel the the crunch, the housing squeeze here, and we Mm -hmm. see women, especially, but caretakers really undervalued. And and so they're always struggling to make ends meet when the the contribution they're making is really, really important and necessary as well.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: But not valued.
2: Yeah, not valued. I mm-hmm. that's why, like, the 24 hour work day or the issue of, like, you know, tw- working 24 hours is so like, critical for me because I'm like, if we're forcing people who are actually doing care work around the clock to work for 24 hours, we're not paying them for all those hours only so that insurance companies can profit. We really have a serious problem like in terms of like priority and like the way that we just value like human life.
0: I can I can see how that schedule alone, never mind the compensation, can lead to high levels of burnout. Yeah. Like can you imagine, right? Being like you you cannot leave this person for twenty-four hours, right? It's it's you know, you think, oh yeah, that's not that bad. But if you actually do it mm-hmm. It's it's incredibly demanding.
2: Yeah, you can't leave them. So actually, home care workers, the so they say that the hours that they're not being paid is because like sleep and eating. Yeah, and actually, like they don't get sleep because the patients are like need round the clock care. Um, there's yeah. so many horror stories too, like. In the households, like where family, I've heard people who have shared that relatives would clock them, like put clocks so that they would wake up, like, oh. and keep an eye on the person. Those are like, or maybe like the per- the client or the patient has dementia and like they'll wake up through the night mm-hmm. and like, or it can be so many other things. Like if someone needs round the clock care, then they really need care. And so the time that you're supposed to be eating and sleeping it's not really your time, because if anything happens to the patient, you're liable, actually. So, you know, sometimes people will tell me well, why do they choose to stay like in that job? And I'm like, well, this is like, actually like an industry that we need. Like we have more and more people getting older every single day. So like we need someone to take care of them. And there's always gonna be people doing it. And a lot of the time it's like immigrant workers, people of color, right? It, it for me as a worker, it's like influenced me and like oh my god, like we really have to organize for better working conditions because then, like we could all end up, you know, in a in a place like that. So I think that they have, they have been organizing and it's very hard to organize when you're working so many hours. It's yes. so hard to organize when yeah. you're like you know, it's like you can't even you know you have to choose between. Taking care of your kids or um, going to a doctor's appointment or taking care of your patient. Like it's. Yeah,
1: it totally is. Yeah. It's sort of like you're staying up till midnight on your day off trying to write those letters to the representatives and stuff like that. Absolutely. Yeah. You-
2: <clears throat> no, I was going to say, yeah. And it, especially if you're like an immigrant worker and you don't speak the language. That's also like another barrier. So what
1: have you learned about making change and organizing people mm-hmm. in these movements that you're super passionate about? Like I love I love your passion and I think it's people like you who are changing the our society, even though it feels really, really hard. I I know that your voice is being heard, even though you need more amplification.
2: Yeah. I mean I've learned because I see how it's grown, like you know, the movement has grown, like, people, like, more workers are, like, seeing how 24-hour shifts, like, also hurt them. Like, if we yeah. see it with, like, when unions are organizing, right? Like, if this union organizes for this thing, then it becomes more achievable for people in other industries. So, I, I think what I've learned is that, one, we have to, like take agency, I guess, to bring that word back for our lives and, like, our conditions, like, and then come together with, like, our co-workers or, like, other people in our community because we're producing all this work and then that's it. Like, yeah. I mean, yeah, you could have, like, a, a, I don't know, I guess, like, I've learned to be, to consider, like, my community, I'll say, and com- consider like the people that are also affected by my actions. And that's something that I have to every day, like, you know, sometimes like it, it, it I, I not that I forget, but it's like easy to get really caught up and like, okay, I have to like do all these things for myself and like focus on myself and myself and myself. And then I have to like come back and be like, well, actually like we are like coexisting with each other. And so yes, I have to like take care of myself and care for myself, but also like my actions affect like my neighbor or like you or like, you know, so I think I've definitely learned from I've I've, I, I I'm still learning from organizing that that's like, actually, the better that the collective the conditions are for us collectively, the better that they are for me also individually. So putting more effort into my relationships with people. Yeah. And always bringing it back to like the bigger, the bigger picture actually that we have like systems that are really oppressive to all of us, like regardless of like our race or like our age or, you know, our gender. Yeah. Seeing
0: how the system actually holds everybody down.
2: Yeah. I mean, even
0: though it looks, even though it looks like it's not like it, for some people it looks like they have the advantage and they want to hang on to that advantage. But really, if you step back and look at the bigger picture, it's that's not necessarily the case.
2: yeah,
1: well, I love your heart for the the causes that you're advocating for. I love that you're out there learning these lessons, like making things better for everyone. It, it's that's so powerful. And I hope that you're getting the kind of support that. You deserved to have all along from you know adults mentors and, and community around you
2: yeah yeah i mean like even what y'all are doing it's like i think it's important to like have these conversations with each other and then also like see our connections right because i imagine like in canada where you are i mean i'm not sure how like what support is available to parents but i think like overall. We have, I'll say in at least like the part of the world that we are in, or like North America, is, and yeah, very like profit first. And yeah. so I think that we can feel it like across yeah. like lines of states and borders and all that. Totally, yeah. I, I'm
1: particularly passionate about the housing piece myself because as a single parent, uh like 10 years ago i lost our ho- i lost our home uh, went through bankruptcy had to start with no money so over the past decade i've really built up what i could for a life but i never was yet able to put together another down payment and get into a housing market so we've been renting which just feels so a we're in one of the most expensive housing markets in north america on the west coast here but it just feels like as somebody who is renting and more and more people have to rent. The system is just so old and somewhat predatory like you can make your home in a place and then suddenly lose it for all kinds of arbitrary reasons even though there's like rent protection. So like for example right now I'm in the middle of a move because I had an eviction. So it doesn't matter that I'm running a business out of my home or that we've been here for 7 years, I've raised my kids here all of a sudden it's like, I've got two months notice and boom, I'm out. So, and more and more people have to rent because housing prices are so high. So I see that. And I see it in my kids who are in their twenties and, and, again, they're trying to find places and they literally have to stay in the same place as long as they can so that it doesn't get, they don't have to deal with a rental increase. So my son couldn't move home over the summer. He had to hold on to his apartment or it would have gone up so much that it would have been unaffordable, like just Mm -hmm. totally crazy things that are happening in the rental market, in the housing market that impact families so much. And I just really appreciate that people like you are out there seeing these issues and caring enough to try and make a difference. I know like I've written a whole bunch of letters that I probably won't send. I'm furious about it, but I'm also super busy like the rest of us. Right. So each person can only carry so much. So it's, it's amazing to have somebody else who's carrying a certain issue forward.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think it's good. Like if, if we have like, people in particular lines of work doing that work more directly, I think it's good. But I also think, like, send the letters, send them. Like, we, need, we all need to do it. I was thinking the same thing. they scribbled. Like, see, why, why aren't you sending the letters? they scribbled on the
1: back of envelopes. I need, yes, I need time. Do it, do right. it.
0: Because... Because it's a combination, right? Yes. I th- and I, I, think you'll. I, I, I'd love to ask you, Samantha. Like, it's not. It, there's the work that you're doing that's really focused, and you're, you know, uh, you're organizing. And then there's the other part of it, which is individuals that just, if all you can do is write a letter, mm-hmm. then write the letter, write <laughs> mm-hmm. the darn letter, you know, and yes. s- and send it in. And 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 that's one way to get your voice heard. Because mm-hmm. if enough letters go in, if enough people say, hey this is a, this is a huge problem in my community. Uh What are you going to do about it? Mm -hmm. Or what are we going to do about it?
1: Yeah, it does. Yeah, Yeah. for sure.
2: It does. And what you're saying, like, I see it all the time in New York and, you know, in organizing, like I, one, New York City housing court is a disaster and it works for, landlords it literally does not does not protect like i know that you're saying i kind of like hear what you said about like the tenant protections we have tenant protections in the city but actually housing court in new york was the purpose of it was to get repairs for tenants and it's mostly working for landlords like a lot of the cases majority of them are like eviction cases and You know, even so in New York City, we have this thing called right to counsel, which means that you have the right to an attorney in housing court Uh and the attorneys that are doing right to counsel are really overworked. They have a ton of cases because, you know, housing court keeps pushing cases like so rapidly. And what you're saying, basically, like the price of, of everything has gone up and our wages haven't. Right. So people cannot afford it. They're chronically in housing court. And. It's like then the court, the function is to help landlords collect this money by, you know, instead of doing what it's supposed to be doing, which is like most of these people actually have repair issues, too, in their house in their houses. So it's not always that they can't pay it. Sometimes people withhold their rent because their landlord hasn't done repairs in seven months. You know, their toilet has been broken. They don't do their part of the, you know, their responsibility But then they just like throw people in court and it happened so much that there is no capacity. Actually, the system that was put in place, like the attorneys basically right to counsel and like these organizations that are being given funding to take on housing cases, they don't Mm -hmm. have capacity and they haven't had capacity in over a year and to take on cases like at the at the speed, basically that housing court needs it. Mm -hmm. And it's just it's
0: a disaster.
2: So yeah. many evictions. Yeah, it's yeah. <laughs> it's just like, yeah. I think that I keep sighing also because it's like, it feels like every direction that I kind of look at, I see like a lot of systems ch- like chattering, like it's not, it's not working. Like people are like literally like trying to find ways to stick it together. And we see it, like we look at the food industry. Like I was talking to my, my coworkers and they were like telling me that this thing that they were like this food that they were given when they were kids, there was basically a report that the food had like carcinogens or something. It was like pills. And they were like eating that since they were kids. It's like a like a gummy thing. And you know, so then we started talking about food and we're like, oh, um what is it that I looked at? Oh, I was watching this video about like vegan products and like the ingredients in the back of some of the the products and like how even when you eat vegan, it's like, okay, it has all these other things. And it's like, okay, I'm housing. is like not looking great. Then this thing, food is like not looking great. And it's like, what are we doing? We really need to like get it together. (laughs) Yeah. 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 It's really exciting
1: to hear from you because Somebody like you who has—you've done so much already at the young age. I mean, not young to you, and not young to the rest of the world. Young to me because I'm old. At the age that you're at, <laughs> <laughs> you've done so much already. Like just the the power it took from you to get as far as you've gotten in raising your son, and graduating high school, and graduating college, and setting up your goals for your life. Like that's so powerful for you to take into your future and use it to address the issues that you're finding and find the resources. Like there are people out there who know how to do this system. Right. And, and just plugging into the best out there. And it, it's just amazing to see that you see all the problems and you're up for the fight. And I just hope you also have support, um, in, in not burning out like we were talking about, cause it sounds like you're in for a big fight.
2: Yeah. I, when you say, cause I, I feel that now that um, as we're talking, I'm like, oh my God, I am talking about all these things. Yeah. Support is very difficult because where I live, like my son's school ends at 445. And so, you know, and the workday ends at like five, six. So mm-hmm. finding that time to go and it's very hard again for parent, like for people who take care of other people in general, like it's, yeah. it's. Yeah, I I am supported by I have friends who have become part of my extended family and like I will say that I have nurtured like a support system around me but definitely it's like when you're a single parent you can't really the person that you're like primarily you know, looking to depend on when they're not there. It's like, well, yeah, I have these other people that are like my champions and they are here for me and they care and vice versa, Um, but they're not, it's not their primary obligation. Like, yeah. and so it's, it's when you're saying feeling supported, I'm like, yeah, I have moments when I'm like, but I try to think of, of love. So I've I read, do, have you ever read like bell hooks before?
1: Oh, a tiny little bit. Yes. Yes. Amazing.
2: I love all about love <laughs> or communion. Like I love her books. Um, but all about love is so beautiful. And I think about the ways that I can just be more loving in my life so that I can also receive love and like keep myself motivated through that. And it's so funny because, yes, well, today I woke up a little bit like, oh, like, yeah spiral and i looked at my horoscope <laughs> unrelated but i looked at my horoscope and it was like <laughs> sam you can well, i didn't say sam but i said you know there are other ways to receive love outside of a romantic relationship so you can receive love oh, yeah. from like friends or like you know your community and i think like shifting the perspective like you know what it's going to be difficult No matter what, because I'm like a working person in America and it's going to be difficult, but it can be like my perspective actually can change. And I can think about the wins that I have in my everyday life and just use that to keep myself going. Yes.
0: Yeah, life is full of challenges. No matter where you are, like no matter how much money, you know, there's this the saying: "More money, more problems." Right, <laughs> right. Like it, you know. I, I don't know if that's true, but you know, certainly, no matter where you know what socioeconomic bracket you're in, you're gonna have challenges, right? And it really. Uh, it really depends on how you respond to those challenges, how you think of those challenges in your mind as to, you know, just how difficult they're going to be.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. I love that you've figured that out. It's such a big yeah. lesson.
0: Amazing.
2: Yeah,
1: your perspective is like everything.
2: How do you keep going? Thank you so much. Also, Lindsay, I, I'm like a words of affirmation person. So all the, nice. so all the affirmations that you've given me, I'm like. My heart's like... (laughs) Good. You deserve
1: it. That's great. (laughs) Yay. Yeah. Yeah. How do we keep going? Well, I don't know. Myself, I I spent a lot of years just in survival mode because I had three kids and no money, so I had to build that up. And now I'm trying to move out of survival mode and into accepting more for myself which is a really hard change but it is it's completely all mindset and so I do the mindset work I try to keep doing it and do things to take care of myself and it's all a work in progress so Mm
0: -hmm. yeah 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 and I I, to answer your question from my perspective it's it's very similar it's it's a lot about mindset because there are Days that are you know like there are winds left, right, and center, and then there are days when it feels like it's all coming crumbling down, and you know I'm still I still have a home that I live in, I still have a wonderful son, I still have an awesome family, you know I still love the work that I do, so you know I kind of have to put it all in perspective, yes. right, whether it's a winning day or a not so winning day. yeah.
1: And sometimes it's just a couch yeah. and Netflix day, and that's okay. That's true. <laughs>
0: right. You can take it out. <laughs> right. Yeah, the, the self care piece, right? And not being so hard on yourself. Like we all have this internal judge that will, um, you know, can be really, really harsh on ourselves, on others, and on, you know, whatever the current circumstances are. And it's being able to catch that voice and say, hey, you know, I get it you're not you're going a little overboard you're not really helping me in this point right and so take like the five percent of what that voice is saying that's true and go okay what am I going to do with this mm-hmm. you know how can I use this information to propel myself Um, you know one step forward
1: mm-hmm. I love it all right, you guys hate yeah. to be the party pooper here, but we are oh, coming to the end of the Lindsay. hour. <laughs> and, and we have some lightning round questions we love to ask Sam. So if you're up for it,
2: we'll just yeah. shift gears. Yeah.
0: yeah. Well, I'll start. So finish this this sentence. Single parenting is...
2: Ooh. I'm sorry, I'm so slow Oh, Single parenting is... Innovation... <laughs>
0: yeah (laughs) oh that's awesome that's that's an answer we haven't gotten before i love it
1: i love that all right we're just going to do them really fast so you don't have to have fast answers so what traditions do you have with your kiddo in your home that make it feel like home to you
2: Mm. talking about about our day when we get home or like after school hours yeah i love it that's
0: really nice What is the best or worst advice that you've gotten as a single parent?
2: Oh, my God. The best advice has been to work on my relationship with myself. And I'm going to see how that overflows into my relationship with my son. The worst advice is telling me what to do this is what you need to do to solve all your problems. I'm like, oh.
1: Yeah. yeah, it doesn't fly. <laughs> I hear you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then the last question we wanted to ask was really, what is the key takeaway that you would love to leave our single parent listeners with from your journey, from your learnings, or even from something that you're just thinking about these days?
2: Yeah. What kind of future do we want for our kids? Mm. Yeah. How do we envision their future being, like, better from from ours? And then what can we do to ensure that they actually have, like, a work-life balance and that, you know, they have access to, like, their basic needs or just their needs? Yeah, I would say that. And then how do we do that together, like, with other people? I love it. Mm.
0: That community element again that just, you know, it keeps coming up. Right.
2: I love it.
1: Awesome, Sam. That was fabulous. Is there anything that we didn't touch on that you wanted to make sure we included in the show?
2: I will say talking about, you know, our conditions with each other, not shying away from it and kind of like going back to I think you both touched on it, like the media and like the messaging that we receive all day. Like No, like you know everything or at least especially here in the U.S. back to the ambition piece that you said like oh you know the land of the free you can achieve anything you want like you know not to to not allow that ideology I guess like deter us from talking about what like our day-to-day life is and like the hard parts about it because I think that as much as it's important to be optimistic and think about the future it's also really important to like ground ourselves and remind ourselves like you know what how can we like live or use what we are seeing today to like change our future like for our kids connecting mm-hmm. it back to that
1: mhm i love that i think that's really fabulous and something that we haven't talked about on the show before so thank you for bringing that of course. Okay, Thank
2: you for talk I I'm really glad that I was here. This I spent this hour, this time here together. Thank
0: Yay. Yeah. Yes. I'm so grateful that you said yes to, to coming and <laughs> having this conversation. I just I'm so impressed with what you're doing in the world, the, the work that you're doing, the human that you're being. And I, I love that we've been able to share that with
2: our listeners. Thank you. Thank you. And yeah. likewise. Yeah, we've
1: we've loved it, Sam. It's it's so inspiring to see younger voices come forward like yours. And I just I hope you find the connections and the ways of amplifying your power and you get really supported as well and you feel you feel really supported as well as you go forward.
2: Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you. And send the letters, <laughs> ah, yes, I'm I'm check check in letters Lindsay. <laughs> <laughs>
0: okay, we'll check in on that. <laughs> Sounds good. Before you leave, we want to give a big shout out to our friend and musician, Laura Kosh, who wrote our intro and outro music. Laura is the singer-songwriter for the band The Quirks, and you can find them online at thequirks.com. If you enjoyed
1: the show, make sure you subscribe, leave a review, and share it with other single parents Three. in your life. Thanks for listening.